0: Scott, do you hear that, that sound? That sound in the cloud? What is that sound? It sounds like a bunch of servers revving up for some type of release. Is not iOS 8 about to, to be released for for update on our devices real soon now?
1: I think it is, wasn't it? Isn't it as of today?
0: I think it's as of today. I haven't today tried yet. yet. I, I, don't even to... know
1: if it's, I don't even know if it's there. I haven't tried. Have you checked?
0: I'm going to look right now. I'm checking my software update. No, it says 7.1.2. I'm up to date. All right, forget that. I was wrong.
1: No, but it's got to be soon because the phone is out on Friday, isn't it? So maybe it's tomorrow. It is. Uh, As nobody has an idea of when we're recording, we could have just said today and everyone would have thought we were clever, but now we've ruined it.
0: Oh, we're well, not clever. You know, just every, on time we, every time we try to be clever, we just fall all over ourselves. We should probably just give up. I think we should stop pretending that we're sophisticated.
1: <laughs> I don't think we've convinced anybody at all on that one for quite a long time, John. No. Anybody who's listened to more than 30 seconds of this show probably has worked out then it's uh we're not the most intellectual of people when it comes to certain things we we have we have quality and class in other areas of our lives
0: uh uh-huh. okay we're both pretty good well, at food that's true too yeah, yeah. so uh, anyway uh, did you do you have an ios app that that uh do you have released with uh with rem objects any type of toolkit or symbol or have you done anything for the ios 8 release
1: Yeah, well, obviously, um, the languages we produce, the Oxygen and the C-sharp language, um, and the Silver language, which is our Swift implementation, no, Silver doesn't, um, has has to um, all be ready to work with iOS 8, because even though um, our Silver um, implementation is, uh, our Swift implementation is um, aimed at doing Android development, you can, if you wanted to, for some weird reason, use ours to do iOS development. Um, So we have to bring all that up to date. And our data abstract tool, um, which is our uh, multi-tier database handling tool, is all ready to go for iOS 8. So, um, But from our point of view on those things, there wasn't a huge amount of work on the abstract tool. And really, it's working with the SDKs and making sure all our languages compile against the SDKs um, for the other stuff. So uh, it's um, a fairly routine lots of work but a fairly routine thing for us to go through and we've we're ready on that one so should be your call he says hoping the engineering team have been listening
0: yeah that's true (laughs) one hopes well and you is findery all ready for ios 8. yes we are actually in the store we went live uh we submitted last friday and and the releases you know it went into review within about an hour um, stayed in review over Monday. There was a little glitch where they said they they rejected it, but then I gave a comment back, and then they unrejected it. That was pretty astounding. Um, and uh, it's definitely a new world. I don't know how closely you've been following. You know, they they redid iTunes Connect, and with the arrival of the of of test flight beta testing, they've changed the order of operations. Um, for submitting an app. It used to be with iTunes Connect, you would, you know, fill out all the metadata, make your screenshots, and then say, okay, now I'm ready to, to submit a binary. And then when you go into Xcode or App Loader, it, 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 you know, talks to the, the developer portal and says, ah, you've got an app ready, and all it has to do is compare the, the build numbers, and you're good to go. Now things have changed, and this was this was not at all clear to me um, until after I, I suffered through it. Now, what happens with you register an Apple ID in the preferences and the account preferences of Xcode, but you have to make sure that your Apple ID matches your developer portal and your iTunes Connect. Because what ends up happening is you use the developer portal to to you know you know make sure that you're you know selecting the right team and, and to know about things like uh, you know certificates and and uh, um, and, and that but then when it comes time to actually submitting the app you are essentially using your Apple id to log into itunes connect and find out is their version ready for you and an apple id can only be associated with one itunes connect account even though it can be part of multiple itunes developer portal accounts and this is a subtle and important distinction because you know for my own purposes for memory Miner and other consulting work i've done over the years my apple id is is, is you know as far as iTunes Connect is concerned, is for for managing the release of of Memory Miner and my other products um, and not Findry. So I got to the point where I couldn't submit the app while I was logged in on Xcode and I had to go to a colleague and use his login. And there seems to be all sorts of problems, at least in the last couple of days, with the the new release of iTunes Connect because I was completely unable to invite, you know, a new user to join the iTunes Connect team. Um, It was just there were were 500 errors that I discovered with the... uh, with the, with the JavaScript console. So that was that was a bit of a, of a change. However, I did work out and figured out that, in fact, doing beta testing with TestFlight really is simple. And part of the, the, the change that's come across is that they've really separated the submitting of the binary from the readying of a release, because you can now submit a binary essentially at any time. And once you've submitted it and it's been processed, you can then make it available for, for distribution for, for beta now until iOS is Eight is actually officially released. You can only do it for your internal team, but presumably, come whenever iOS eight actually is hit, hit the servers and people have it on their devices, then you can begin the whole um, release by a email invitation. They logged in with their Apple ID. So definitely, there were some changes. So if if you are submitting recently, you've probably seen some things, and and even something else. You know, there was there was a validation error where they said that there were two keys which were invalid in in the the Info P list of of our share extension, and it it just You know, this is the first time we see it, this validation error. Nowhere, anywhere, other than, you know, thank God for Google because there was an obscure tweet that, you know, Jason, uh, uh, sorry, Justin, Justin Williams had, 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 you know, retweeted from somebody else. I I wouldn't have known this stuff. So, you know, lest anybody believe that, that when you're dealing with, with beta releases of of software and new operating systems, everything works perfectly, doesn't always work perfectly. And sometimes you just have to keep your cool and Google. (laughs) And then keep your cool some more.
1: Yeah, that's um. so the I haven't even looked at the test flight stuff um, with the Nitro's Connect. That's that's for supporting iOS 8 only. Yes. Um, so really, it, it's something you can use. I know, I know it's only just been made available. So uh, so going forward, but I'm I'm assuming because you've said you've submitted your app to the store already and it's live that your app is not iOS only. It's 8 only. It's 8 and 7, is it?
0: Yeah. So the, what we did. So is, you have to
1: support eight, but you don't have to be only eight.
0: You don't have to be only eight, and and that's the other thing too is you had to make sure you check your build specs because now they you know it used to be that building a sixty four bit binary was was optional now for for share extensions in particular you're required to support sixty four bit. And it was possible, to, and and that's what we did. That you can you know you can you can link against the, the latest frameworks. That's that's typically the best practice. But then you know it's up to you to decide which APIs you actually need. And so you know if it, it, it's down to APIs, you don't say this only w- runs with version. It's basically it, whatever APIs you need. Then then you run you know then it works or doesn't work. So the Findry app works with iOS seven. The Findry extension only could possibly run on on iOS eight. And and the, since they are different targets and X code, um, it's perfectly fine to, to, to have that. Um, but that was a little bit tricky. And again, these are things that, you know, you run into problems where, uh, you know, uh, we use CocoaPods, and CocoaPods is, is is really great when it works flawlessly, and it can be quite painful when it doesn't. And one of the issues we ran into was you know building for 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 which architecture is kind of the default setting for is for in Xcode is to always build for all architectures, um, and that's not really the, necessarily desirable when you're doing development or even when you're doing distributions, but it may be absolutely necessary when you're doing archiving. Um, so, you know, th- this is really the kind of the minutiae and it's stuff I, I don't love. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for my colleague who's willing to, to step through this stuff because I, I, I start to lose my patience real quick. I, I want to kind of I want to work on the software. I don't want to work on, on on doing build servers or even mucking around with building. Um but uh, th- those were things where you, you really run into issues. I mean, all, all this said, I have to say, uh, you know, it's way, way, way better than it was not that long ago. I mean, most of it you can now do completely within Xcode, but and it hides a bunch of stuff. But, you know, if you didn't kind of have some fundamental understanding about how code signing works and, and, and distribution profiles and certificates and, and iTunes Connect, you, you'd be a bit lost.
1: I think um... – yeah, I, I think it's quite dangerous, isn't it? And and I think the more integrated it gets, the easier it gets, but equally the chances of making mistakes get higher because you don't necessarily notice things. Yeah. Um. I think it's um, I think it's Daniel Jelker who who runs a build server, hmm. and he just makes sure he makes sure that that build server only has the SDKs, um, and the levels that he wants to ship against on it so there's no possible way he could link against the wrong thing or the, the bad thing so his final builds i think it's daniel if i'm wrong then I'm sorry daniel um his final builds he knows he knows they're going to be clean there's not going to pick up anything from development it's only going to get stuff that's linked improperly and not happen to have something uh, you know from a path that's a bit stray on the machine um because he keeps he keeps a server just for just for building um release applications um and you have to say there's yeah that that's might sound a little bit excessive initially but there's got to be something said for that really
0: i i think it is it's absolute necessity i think that we we at Findery have kind of been gotten burned and, uh, by not having a build server but it it it's it's not an easy thing to do i mean it's like yeah. I mean, we, as I said, we do use CocoaPods. Um, it's very good making it work with, with the, the, it's been tricky. We should probably revisit it, you know, because it's something where nobody really wants to do it. But at the time when you go do it, you know, you realize how much time it saves you. And especially when you come down to tight deadlines. I mean, it's like, it really sucks to think that, okay, well, submissions are now starting to be accepted. And that started as of Tuesday when they had the announcement from then on, you could submit your iOS 8 app and you basically have a very short window of time to, 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 to be there for, for when the release becomes available to, to end user hands. So.
1: <sighs> yeah, we, we do have a dedicated build server for, but it's not just used for, um, uh, for release builds. It's used for internal builds and beta builds as well. Mm. So it's not as clean necessarily as what i was saying before, but we do use a, a distinct, um, set of build servers actually for building our products. And, uh, cause they can take a little while to build sometimes actually it can be a, a full build can be 20 minutes or so. So it's, um, yeah, but it's it's definitely built the whole thing of build servers. I think on on iOS and for OS X as well, it's not really there, is it? I mean, lots of people still use Jenkins, yeah, which is primarily designed for work with Java, yeah. Um, and and although it does work fine for doing Xcode builds and Xcode from the command line and, and all the rest of it, it, it's it's still this slight sense of your your forcing not a, a square peg in a round hole but you know a slightly odd shape into a slightly different shaped hole shall we say yeah um to, to do it and i know in um os 10 server uh the mavericks version we had all the exco build stuff but um i've not used that personally but everyone who has tried that so far i know is saying well it's got a long way to go and it's not particularly reliable at the moment." um and have not really heard much yet i mean this doesn't mean it hasn't just means i haven't heard much yet as to you know how much work and you know, or improvements have gone into that for for yosemite, yosemite server yeah um, or is it just is it one of these things that sometimes apple do and then yeah well that didn't really work we'll just leave that we'll leave it there as it is and, and it's from there.
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean as i said you know this is something i'm, I'm trying to buzz um uh, uh buzz had once said this i thought was very good it says you know everybody thinks that apple is this this you know this magical whatever kind of you know still they're human beings and they have the same stresses and the same kind of you know lack of resources on any given team at any time and you know they, you know everybody thinks that they're incapable of making mistakes or or, or having to make compromises they're not you know they, <laughs> so
1: well i think it doesn't it doesn't help for us as well either that i mean um, with the, when when the Xserve went now most of us are never going to buy an Xserve. Um, we do have a co-located Xserve that we use as one of our build servers, but yeah, that was from quite a few years ago. It's not you know it's it's not something we necessarily do now. Um, they they, you know, they said the Mac Mini is you know the new server from. Um, apple and yeah i have a mac mini server that i use in my office it sits here just as a a file store and i'm running os 10 server on it and one of the intentions was to learn it and actually it just sits there mainly as another backup machine um but the lack of updates to the mac mini you know if i was sat here now thinking i need to go into build servers and all the rest of it i really wouldn't want to buy a mac mini i mean it's been what 18 months two years since the last update to one um and so it gives you this sense of and, and I know the current mac mini is perfectly good enough to use, but it 's you know they 're not they're, they might be small but they 're not cheap the mac minis in any way at all they they in fact i think they 're probably the in some ways they 're the worst value mac you can buy, even though they might be the cheapest mac they 're the worst value mac you can buy um and, and you i 'm just looking thinking you yeah, well, this, this machine needs to be kept up to date if people they, Apple want us to take their server operating system and this build
0: stuff seriously, really Duly noted, I expect phone calls from our friends at Apple any moment yeah. now John, you've been reading a book this week, haven't you I have uh so there's a, 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 friend of, of iDevelopers, a guy named Matteo Manfredini, a nice Italian fellow who's been living in Amsterdam for many years. That's where I first met him. Um, and he, you recall he was on the show talking about the experience of, of, of shipping a game under high stress conditions. And, uh, he's been, had been working on a book for some time, which has now been released. It's called, Step by Step, you know, iOS Step by Step Development. And his big thing was, it's a book that really talks about the the all aspects of, of of building an iOS app, and focuses really on on everything from how to build a Mac up how to how to build a prototype, um, you know, how to think about the architecture, and how to do all these things before you even start writing code. Then how to write code, when you're you're actually working on a complete app, start to finish. So it's not here's a tutorial with a sample app where you don't care about the architecture app because you're demonstrating how to use one particular class. Um, so, But this, this is all built around an actual app. And he had been uh, you know, previewing discussion points of it for some time, and I, I'd been following along with it. But there was one chapter that had been previewed, uh, I guess it was about a week ago, I got the email, and it, it just it resonated a lot because of, of something I was working on, and that was um, you know i i i've talked about in the past using test apps to to you know tester apps if you want to build some new um, classes yourself or you're trying to become familiar with 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 a new set of api and on on a a, a personal project i've been working on this was using you know AV foundation and particularly the the a v uh, composition classes um and, uh, to, to be able to combine audio and video files and do that. And it's, it's great API. And then it's actually fairly old because this came out a number of years ago. I forgot how long ago. And, it, and, and so when you're becoming, you know, used to something, typically what you end up doing after you've, you know, read through the, the documents or looked at, Dub DC videos is you say, okay, fire up Xcode, create a brand new build pro, you know, create a new project and start hacking around. And, and that's good because you have a little sandbox and you try to, to stay focused on the one thing that you're, you're working on. But the inevitable result is, as we all know, is that if the project goes forward, you know your initial code tends to come along, and then you end up saying, "Oh well, I put all this into this one view controller, and it's probably not optimal." You have this nagging feeling because you're starting looking at you know a thousand of lines of code in in your view controller, and you realize that it it it's not kind of following the the, the spirit of MVC. You're basically putting way too much. The view controller really is just that—a a view controller for arbitrating between the view and 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 your controller, and not you know to do the things that that are 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 best kept separate right and, and, and in this particular case having to deal with you know a view controller will do things like you know show a table view where you might pick a, 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 a an audio track or bringing up the ui image picker and arbitrating that but when it comes time to for instance combining these media elements into a finished product that code does not belong in your view controller yet in order to learn the apis that's where it ends up being cuz you don't necessarily want to create a new class and 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 keep switching between them and losing focus it's a very normal thing when you're in that kind of r&d phase or prototype phase and so as as simple as it sounds and it is simple you know i i i i'm i'm Embarrassed to admit that I only started using pragma marks judiciously in my code about a, a year or two ago I just kind of I saw them and I kind of never thought oh, that's nice and pretty But in fact, it really comes to your rescue So because then if you use pragma marks in your code to, to link together methods that suit a particular purpose like you know These are doing things like these are my table view data source and delegate methods that probably does belong in, in your view controller These are my methods that I'm using for composing video uh, probably ultimately doesn't want to live in this, in this view controller, but th- it's very, very easy in Xcode to see all the methods that are there that are linked together. They don't need to be physically next to each other in the editor. I mean, they, they do. They need to be within a, with a, a, a you know, a, a pragma mark. And then afterwards, when you're comfortable with what you're doing, you can then say, ah, oh, okay, great, wonderful. I can now take those methods you know, create a brand new class, put them in there. And then instead of doing calling the methods directly in your original view controller, you just make your other controller. And so in this particular case, I called it, you know, my, my, my AV compose controller, which was specifically for, for doing that. And, and then even, even the code in your, in your view controller methods where, you know, you you have an IB action method where somebody presses a button, it starts off doing something. All that's changing in your original view controllers in, instead of saying self you know, some method name, it would then be self AV composer or self, you know, my separate controller and the methods are are, signatures are staying the same. Um, so this this experience I had worked out really well, much more smoothly, and I was going through this at the very time when when he was sending this chapter about saying, you know, you really do need to to, to watch this stuff about how to avoid view controller bloat. So anyway, um, his his book is now released. I'll add a, a link in the show notes, and, and I thought what I also found interesting about it is it's available in multiple you know in forms. There's the EPUB book, which is just the book. Which has one price, um, and then another one, which has com- the complete Xcode project that, that, that is featured in the book, plus the, the keynote slides and, and all the discussion about that. So I think that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit more expensive than, than kind of typical books, but I, I, I bought a copy. I found it well worth it, you know, and I've been doing this for a long time and I got many, many good nuggets out of it and I'm happy to recommend it.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Just, just picking up a couple of things there. Firstly, I, I suspect that if we were to look at 90%, and I'm, I'm making these numbers up, but you know, I'm, I'm guessing, 90% of applications probably have badly constructed view controllers that just contain all the code that that view ever calls. Mm-hmm. I reckon that's where we're probably at. Um, what you're saying about grouping stuff with pragmas, it, it's funny that you've only been using it because actually one of the first things I ever did when I came to um coco and in, in, in xcode was all oh, pragmas great brilliant love them because i've been i used to use uh, the equivalent in i can't remember what the equivalent was called in, in visual studio before i came across this list of, just for finding your code and grouping your code and keeping stuff together great for saying okay, here's all the methods from this delegate um yeah couldn't live without pragmas um are pragmas in swift i I think originally they weren't, but I seem to remember reading somewhere that maybe they've introduced them now. I can't remember, so let's not talk about it because I don't know. Um, Unless you know, John.
0: No, I don't.
1: No, it's in there. And the the whole thing about this book and then plus added value, I think that's becoming quite common. I'm I'm an avid book buyer, John. Mm. I'm I'm the sort of person that if I come across a book and I think um, just from reading the title – and reading the blurb that it's going to solve one thing for me one problem i'll I'll give someone 40 bucks and just buy it mm. it's, it's not it's not an issue to me because my um as long as it's got a ch- content chapter contents and a sample that i know has written and i think okay that chapter is going to give me what i want you know 40 bucks of my time you know compared to my time it's just it's just worth nothing so i, do, I just do it but this this concept of giving a book for 30 40 bucks and then a book plus some videos, maybe for sixty bucks, and then a book plus some videos and some interviews and whatever for a hundred bucks. It's becoming quite, quite um, popular actually, and I know it's a lot. It's a lot of technical books, um, particularly outside of the Objective C, Swift, iOS world, and in, in more in the web development world, and um, especially around open source uh, stuff, where there's obviously tends to be less documentation often. Uh, are going for this route? So it'd be interesting to know. Um, you know how people respond to that whether people think that's good or bad um it i have to be honest i'll often buy the bottom end um and then normally yeah you know, this is a very good very good good sales technique um a bit like an in-app purchase really you know within 30 days of buying the book you know they will offer you normally the the people will offer you to upgrade to the next package or the top package for just the difference as it would have been if you bought it straight away or something Mm -hmm. and you're thinking oh i've enjoyed the book the book's been good yeah let's get the extra stuff so um that's great but actually it's a way of if it's a way of people who are writing this stuff to actually begin to make a decent return and i don't mean make themselves rich i mean you know Book writing has, is, is is not a way to make money. If you're thinking of writing a book because yeah. you, you want to be rich, then everybody who I know who has written a book, um, even the people with the most successful books, um, um, the vast majority of people I know have written a book, even people with successful books, it doesn't make as much money as for the time they put in. If they've been consulting for that time, they'd have made a lot more money than the book. There might be one or two exceptions, but, you know, And the vast majority are, you know, making peanuts compared to what their consulting time have been worth. Um, And I think that's become reasonably obvious because um, with no disrespect to any particular authors or publishers, I think the quality of books has become, technical books has got quite low over the last few years um, that that are coming out through the traditional publishers, I have to say. Mm. Um, Whereas this... This method of selling books where you're maybe getting a little bit more back in return for the money uh, the books are being priced decently at thirty nine dollars which is you know back up to a, a reasonable price um it's uh, it's um you yeah, know it it's giving the authors an opportunity to actually get a return on what they're doing but the great thing is because it's all ebooks now is you know I bought a, a book on um meteor, which is a sort of a java based um sorry javascript based node extension Mm. web development framework stuff which we won't go into um you know and i bought the top package about a hundred dollars or so um probably 18 months ago a year ago something like that but they update the book every month Mm. um and so i'm always getting the latest book because they're making a revenue from this and so they're always getting the latest book i bought a, a book on android development excellent book on android development uh apart from it all used eclipse because that was a normal thing, but you know, they've just revamped the book totally to be using a different IDE than the new Android Studio IDE and it's all just free because you just bought the book and now you get it. And yeah, and so actually that's worth more money. So um I say, you know, don't look at these prices and these packages and say, oh, that's a lot of money I can get books for free or read stuff online. Um, you know, this is an investment. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do with updates and everything, but you know, I, I think we need authors just like we need app developers to be earning money. We need authors to be making a decent return if we want this quality material out there.
0: Yep. Totally agree.
1: There we are. So John, I sent you a, um, I sent you a link during the week, um, an excellent blog post by, um, Gus Muller of, uh, flying meat software uh, which my daughter thinks is the coolest name software company ever <laughs> and the uh, the t-shirt I picked up from Gus at WWDC in about 2008 I think I've been allowed to wear once in those uh, seven years because she owns it um, so Gus if you've got some more I'll have one please um, excellent uh, blog post called The Wilderness on um, that time after a release or between releases when you've maybe doing other stuff like documentation or you've been trying to work out what to do next where it feels like you've suddenly spent a month or two months or three months and you've not gone anywhere. And because you've not got anywhere, even though you have, even though you've been doing stuff like documentation, which is really important, or you've been um, tightening this up, because you haven't been coding the product, you feel like you haven't gone anywhere. It's uh, getting that momentum back is really, really difficult. And it's like finding your way out of the wilderness. And I don't know if you had time to read it, John.
0: I did. I, it resonated quite a bit.
1: Yeah. So, I, so which bit of it, which bit of it, um, uh, you know, struck you.
0: Well, I mean, it, it, it's it's just what you were saying that you know you make changes under the hood, and you've said regularly that in the end, no no consumer of, you know uh, of your app gives a, a flying anything about what language was used what ide was used how how well re-architected it was how how great your build server is just nobody does and so we always have this tension between doing the stuff that you kind of know you need to do for the long-term health of the product yet you still got to ship and you've got to still stay engaged and even and then even if you are have have built an app and you've gotten initial kind of good notices and stuff like that now you know what's next and and you know the the, the thing that that comes into it is, is where do you find the motivation to keep going, right? You know, and, and, and he, he what was interesting is that he likened it to, to, to climbing. And it's like, you know, you could be stuck halfway upside down doing rock climbing or, you know, climbing up Everest or whatever and you're frostbitten. And you're wondering if you're going to drop dead and why am I doing this? And is it worth it? And that's kind of when you, you, you have to then find. Do you Do you want to keep working on this or not? and you, you, you kind of have to you have to answer those questions. and these are the moments that force you to answer those questions. Um, and And lest anybody think that this is this is something that only hits Indies who are working on you know one or two products by themselves or with a couple of consultants no it, it, it hits teams at, at big companies as well. Um, so the, uh, you know and, and, and I, I feel like I'm going through this. I have been going through this at, at various times over the last five, six, seven, eight years
1: it is, isn't it? i mean it's hard to stay but yeah you know, there's very little in our lives that we stay 100% motivated all the time and this is no different to real life that you know if you've been um you know if if you've got a big house renovation you're doing there are parts of it that excite you and you're really plugging away but you know the two months you've spent clearing the yard you know, there's just no motivation there or whatever else, yeah. depending on who you are, unless you're a gardener. And so I think this is just a reflection of life. Um, and maybe because of, you know, the way we work and, and the way we see results and judge results in our industry, maybe it becomes a little bit more obvious. But this is this is really just a reflection of what we do as life, really, if you ask me.
0: Yeah. Well, and here's something else. And this is, again, linking it back to very specifics. I, I really do think that the ability to do you know, very easy beta distributions is is an enormous game changer for developers for two reasons. One is that it's it's a lot easier to, to maintain motivation if you're getting feedback. Even if it's negative feedback, even if somebody points out saying, hey, you know, here's a, an enormous bug or I totally don't get this. Th- that's just a huge favor because you're not possibly seeing that because you build something with your own, you, you find yourself in a groove. And, and the practice of putting something out for somebody else to look at and look at it with a fresh eye makes all the difference in the world. But in particular to the fact that you can now distribute it to a thousand people, that's, that's a very, very significant number. And it allows you to change how you, you, you do your work. And so instead of like entering into this monolithic, you know, progress, you know, monolithic projects, like, okay, well, I've made all these mistakes from, from that, that that croft that develops from, initially having the idea of the app, building a prototype, doing an MVP, getting a first release, everybody, every project knows that they have this stuff. And I think it is deadly to, to kind of say, well, I'm going to spend a year rewriting it because it pleases my architectural sensibilities. That that's, will almost certainly be the death of, of your app. But, you know, the good news is is that there is Git, there is, you know, you, you can, in fact, you know, if if you learn how to do it, you can always be releasing. And then you can, you can, you know, it, it's it's probably tricky to 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 kind of make those context switches where you're in. A mode where I'm gonna kind of go and work on this very black box project to to build a build you know make a build server or to rearchitect or to adapt you know a, a new API or whatever. But I would I would caution people from 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 doing it where it, you know if it takes more than a couple of sessions to get to some reasonable point of progress where you can ship something and even shipping saying an initial build server maybe it's not perfect but at least it gets something done and, and you ship it and then you can refine it and then you can turn back to, to working on something that's customer facing user facing. Get it out there and, and allow people to test with it. It will help with with maintaining that forward momentum, and then help you therefore want to do it. I mean, I think it's same thing. If, if you know, you used a renovation, you can you know you could build a new deck or something like that, and maybe you know it's not perfect, but the first time that you even if it's unfinished or something, you you take a barbecue out and then you you enjoy something. You know, you use it a little bit instead of saying I'm going to keep everything under wraps and have this grand unveiling. It's like everybody thinks that that's the way to do it because that's the way Apple does it but you know they're apple and you're not you know and so you i think it, it's better to to have incremental progress to, um just to to to, to allow you to, to to stay motivated enough to keep slogging through things
1: yeah it's interesting because we're working on documentation at the moment at remobjects um it's you know being totally honest here you know we produce some really really good tools um and products but the documentation has historically been pretty poor um And part of this is because it's it's not because anyone's been lazy. Because actually, if you looked at it two, three, maybe four years ago, the documentation was excellent. But it it was, you know, it was like many of us who do documentation. Um, Now, okay, we can we could take a step back just for a moment because actually, I think the vast majority of apps probably don't even need documentation these days in any way at all. I mean, do you remember when you used to order your copy of Microsoft Word (laughs) and it would turn in a big big box with a with a manual about two and a half inches thick? Um, you felt you had something for your money in those days, um, and I remember. I think the biggest documentation I ever saw was I think I ordered Ball and C plus plus three point one, which I think literally came in a box about three feet long of of books. Um, but uh, yeah, I suspect if you need documentation for your iPhone app or your iPad app, you've probably not got your interface right. Um, and even even more these days, you're seeing less and less documentation for for uh, Mac apps. It's supposed to be intuitive and only. Um, only certain things, what I would probably call tools, come with documentation. Funny, you have things like text editors or stuff like that, where there's lots of keystrokes. But on the whole, documentation is becoming this thing that's a lot, a lot less. Um, but we produce developer tools, and as we think we were talking just before we came on APIs and developer tools still need documentation. Um, so yeah, the documentation was really, really good. It had been re- done really, really well, sort of three or four years ago. But it was done as this huge documentation effort, and then you know it, it wasn't been made continual and um you yeah, know so therefore then got out of date and it become another huge job to do um to the point that you know it's a very high priority job for us now um but we're going through this discussion we we we've decided to revamp our documentation totally and we're moving it from um a, a wiki which we, we we were using but um i don't know about you john but i find wikis quite confusing um no. i think it's very easy easy to get lost in a wiki i think it's great they're great for they're great for following endless trails of of trivia that you just don't really want to yeah you don't mind you're just on a journey but if you're trying to find your way around backwards and forwards things i th- i get i get very lost in wikis personally maybe that's just me being stupid um so we're moving from a wiki to a system that's based on the jekyll st- uh, static a static blogging system but it's great for websites um incredibly powerful you can write your own plugins for it in Ruby and uh, we, we're doing all our documentation in Markdown with lots of tags in that get changed as things as it builds the site. So that's really, really powerful. Maybe I'll talk about that to another extent some other time. But our point that we're sort of having discussions about now is is do we, you know, do we wait till we just got three or four articles, three or four parts, you know, three or four pages or 10 pages or whatever of our documentation, which is going to end up being, you know, hundreds of pages. But do we just wait till we have got 10 and then start releasing it? Um, probably go through some flack of saying, well, there's only 10 pages, that's pathetic. But also getting maybe all those 10 pages are a really good start and getting loads of feedback on it. Um, so putting up, you know, having a gain and some pain or do we wait till it's all done? Um, and so this conversation has been quite useful because I think actually that thing that, you know, seeing our documentation as a living document that's just going to constantly be on the go, therefore it's never going to be complete, therefore getting into this just dripping out things out, making a change every week, doing whatever else. Um, it, it, it firstly, for us as a company, is going to make that thing seem like it's alive as opposed to something that's dead. And and for the customers, we'll give an, uh, a sort of a sense of um, activity and um, life within, within products. So, you know, it, it doesn't just work for your app. It, I think it works for the stuff that goes around it, stuff like your, um, knowledge base on your web page or something, you're making sure that, you know, there are regular articles going on there or the question that's on the top of the thing is changing or, um, you're putting a quote or changing the case study or your website just has a, a tweak here and there. It's, it's this case of making something alive by the fact that it seems to just be, not revolutionary every time you go there, but it's just organically evolved a little bit.
0: Momentum is a good thing.
1: It is, so I think that might be the um, show title today. Or either that, or <laughs> thank God, either that, or thank God for Google. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> John, it's been fun. Uh, it's always where can, fun. Where can people find you on the internet?
0: Well, you can find me on Findery as John Fox, and you can find me on the Twitters as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African what, Scotty? Drum. The West African drum. You can find out all about my product Memory Miner at Memoryminer.com.
1: Excellent. My name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. You can find me on um, uh, my personal blog at Waffle with Meaning. I actually wrote two blog posts this week, John. Two blog posts, uh, and I did notice I think i 'd lost one in a move because i 've moved um, i 've moved all my blogs and websites over to Jekyll actually in the last um few weeks because uh, uh, i 've been there before, but it's it 's improved a lot since I last used it, and I liked it, so the iDeveloper developer website is now a static blog site, and web um Jekyll Waffle with meaning is um, as well. And I realized my last blog post was something like mid 2012. And I've been saying every week on here, oh, and you can find my personal blog at, <laughs> so, so two blog posts this week, that that's four years worth really there. Um, anyway, that's waffle with meaning. You can find the show notes. Um, okay. Well the show notes changed last week. Um, not everyone was obviously listening to the show because I got lots of emails over the weekend saying, what's this email I've just received with show notes in. Um, but equally we've got lots of emails saying, wow, that's really great. I love the fact that we now get the show notes by email so um, keep giving us feedback on whether you like that or don't like that using the excellent curated service from uh, Dave Vora so uh, your show notes um, should end up in your inbox um, if you're listening to the show and if you'd like the show notes to end up in your inbox go to the iDeveloper.co website and um, just fill in the box on the um, side of the page and you will then start getting the show notes in your inbox instead of having to go look them up I think that's it that is it it is it i think that is it i think life has been done you are you expecting an iphone tomorrow um on friday john uh
0: i i no i think i'm gonna to have to wait until november i missed the initial window to get one and i realized that i don't get a subsidized upgrade until november and, and even if i were to order one now you're talking about late october delivery at this point given the demand so i will yeah. have to uh have to suffer mightily
1: the thing is with that often if you then I think the, the the stores get a dribble in each week, and they reserve so many, and not so many. So, you know, if you walk in at sort of ten a.m. on a Wednesday morning, you might find one. Yeah, it, it is it's the thing. Um, yeah, I was sat there last Friday. Uh, I wanted to press the button, but um, this is what one of my blog posts was about actually. Uh, but I couldn't make my my, my mind up. They've presented to me now with a choice of a six or a six plus, and I couldn't decide, and therefore I didn't decide. Um, and then, as you say, the, the, the time went on and on and on that you couldn't get one quickly anymore. So I said, oh, I'll just leave it now. Um, so Choice actually prevented a sale at that point in time, which I think is an interesting sales concept. So we need to talk about sometime. Yep. So there we are. Anyway, folks, we said we finished. We did stuff. We're now doing one of these long after shows like some other podcasts do. Well, I say long. It's been about three minutes, isn't it? There we are. Thank you very much, folks. Until next time, you take care.
0: Oh, top oh, the oh, of oh, top oh, the oh, of oh, top oh, the